Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. Thank you for listening to one of our great messages. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. course uh, called The Born Identity, and it's been absolutely fantastic. And I've got to say, I guess I've tried to summarize it because there's so much revelation in this course. Would you agree? There's so much good, like pearls of wisdom in this course. And, and, and for the life of me, I don't think I can remember all those things that Pastor Phil says in the, in the course. That's just, that's just I, I just can't. So I've tried to simplify this whole, what it is to live in Christ, what it is to be in Christ. And um. And what it is to, to, to live that way, to live my life that way. And I said, so what does, that, what does that look like, God? Show me how that looks. And basically, I've come down to this summary. It's like this. I think we aspire, we aspire to two different emotions or two different things. One is either fear or the other is faith. Are you with me? So we aspire to two different things. And I believe to live a life in Christ is to, to make the decision every single day to be in faith. Because we have promises, we have the Word of God that's, got, that's full, it's so rich in, in God's promises and love toward us. Rich, that was very key, wasn't it? So rich, bro. So rich in the, all the promises that God has for us. But those promises are nil and void unless we actually move and win faith and grab a hold of those things. Are you with me? So you can be a Christian all your life. You can be a Christian for 25 years, but if all you've done is gone to fear, you never grow. You'll never, you'll never um, get some of the promises working in your world. The whole idea is this, is that God wants us to not go to fear, but to go to faith every single time. He has given us so many promises. He has given us so many things in this word, if you would just open it up and read it. He would have given us so many like, beautiful things in there that we, are, we acquire by faith and faith alone. So I've, I've made it my point to actually wake up every day and go to faith every single time. Because there are times in life, as you would all know, where things come against you that are a little bit hard, they're a little bit difficult. And it's in those times that we've got to decide, where do we go? Do we freak out or do we go to faith and say, no, no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You get what I'm saying? And um, living in Christ, I believe, is, is every single day making the decision that when you wake up, I'm going to go to faith. Things oppose me, I'm going to faith. Because the deal is, the more you go to one area, the stronger you get in it. It's like dominoes, right? Like if you go to fear once, it's so easy to go there again. Get it? It's so easy to go there again. It becomes this lifestyle of when anything scary comes up, you go to fear. It's your, it's your natural little slant on life. But it's also the same with faith. If you will go to faith every single time something comes up and go to the Word and claim it, say, no, no, that's not the truth. I don't live by circumstances. I live by the truth of the Word of God. Then something, it becomes easier the next time you do it. It becomes easier the next time you do it. It becomes easier the next time you do it. Okay, that's the foundation of where I'm going. It's not what I'm talking about though. Um, where are my notes? Here we go. Lovely jubbly. Very creative. I get, a bit, I get a bit stuck on small words. I get lost. You know, have you ever shared something in public speaking? You get lost in all the details. Ah, that, that's why I've got this. <laughs> I just one point on it. I can't get lost. Move right along. It's all good. That's the honest truth. You think I'd do this easily. It's a faith time every time we get up here. Wouldn't you agree, Pastor Phil? Every time. 
turn to faith. I'm scared. So what? I can feel it. So what? The Bible says, amen? Right. Here we go. That was very dramatic. And so let me just share you a story. I've found that, that, that faith is actually a progressive thing. Faith is progressive. Let me explain that. I remember when I was a young Christian, a young preacher, and I'd say some things from my experience at that time, and it sounded right. But five years later, I look back on that same comment, I go, ooh, you're a bit young there, big fella. Yeah, you know, you, you thought you had it, but you're a little bit off. A little, you get what I'm saying? Isn't there times where you, you think you're like, oh, you're on fire, and you know, youth pastor, ah, and you're preaching some stuff, and it sounds so good, but five or ten years down the track, you listen to your own message, and you think, ooh. Because you've progressed in your faith. You've progressed in your life, and, and things have happened. So faith is a progressive, it's a, it's a, faith is a journey, let me put it that way. And I want to share something with you this morning about a bit of my own life. I was in, if you don't know me, I was in, uh, I was in ministry for about eight, nine years as a youth pastor and that kind of deal. From about 1999 to 2008, I think around about that area. And things were, um, I, was, I was a full-on little young Christian. I was, you know, I would pray at least an hour a day. I would fast a day a week, every single week, you know, for years, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was into it. I was into this hardcore Christianity thing and, and I was living that, you know, I was, I was single, so I didn't have any responsibility. Just me and you, Jesus, so holy. Just me and you, me and you, Jesus. You know, um, no wonder I was single, gosh. And, um, and I lived this life for, for years and years and years. And I had vision. God had given me vision for our youth ministry. And it was amazing. And it was, you know, and I, I'd wake and I'd, you know, cry and do all those things that you do when you're young and you're going for it and you love God. And, and, um, and then one, one, you know, just... As life went by, church started to deteriorate and all these different things started to happen. And I ended up actually walking away from church. I ended up getting to a stage where I just couldn't do it anymore. Just a whole lot of reasons. We don't need to go into that. It's not, not the point. Um, but I ended up walking away from church. And uh, I went into the mines and I still love God. I still read my Bible. I just had a problem with the church. Anyone been there? No, just me. And, um, and it's normal. It's absolutely normal because God sought you out anyway. Um, and so I'm in the mines, and I'm, and I'm sitting there, and I actually asked, this, I asked God this, this question. I said, God, why did you give me vision? Why did you show me stuff that I've spent eight, nine years going for 100% if it was never going to come to pass? Why'd you do that? Are, are you just cruel? You get what I'm saying? Are you just a, you just a cruel kind of guy? I was being real. I had a faith crash, okay? I was in, I'd, I'd had enough, I had a faith, I loved God, but I just had this big, massive faith crash. And I asked God, God, why did you show me vision that I adhered to and I went for and I prayed for and I worked hard at if I was never gonna meet it? Because that doesn't make sense to me. That makes you seem like a very cruel guy, like this carrot in front that I'm never gonna get. And, um, the, uh, you know, the beauty of God, he showed me something. He says, son, he says, you know, he says, a man must live for something greater than himself. And I didn't understand it at the time, but as I opened my Bible and I went to, I went to uh, Hebrews 11, and I was opening my Bible and I read, you know, you know that, that whole, by faith, Abraham did this. You know, this is when I was disgruntled. You know, I opened the Bible, by faith, Enoch was taken, you know. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Isaac did this. By faith, Jacob. Going through all these faith, you know, by faith, and, you know, all these kind of things. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. By faith, they did this. All these giants of the faith. 
by faith they did this. And then at the end, it's got this little disclaimer. It says this, it says, they were all commended by their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. <laughs> Sound a bit like me. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And I begin to realize that the destination isn't what God's after. The destination isn't what God's chasing. He's all about the journey. I realized that God wasn't about me getting to the vision. He was about me actually walking the journey with Him. And the reason He says you must live for a vision that surpasses your own ability, something bigger than yourself, because it means then that I have to go to God to fulfill it. If something's that I can do, I'm not gonna go to God, you with me? So God gave me a vision that was way bigger than I could do purely for the fact that so I would go to Him and work it out with Him. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? That God, all He wanted to do was just, just come on the journey. Yeah, He didn't reach it, but that's not the whole point. The point is, I wanna journey with you through this thing. The point is, I wanna journey with you in faith. And I'll tell you what, when you, when you step into that zone, when you no longer go to fear, but you go to faith, something beautiful happens. God starts to share you secrets that you've never heard before. God starts to open up these little things, you know, and that journey that you go on with God becomes this amazing, miraculous thing that no, and people say, why are you a Christian? But you can't explain it because it's all the little things on the journey that God has done. So faith is the journey, amen? That's my point. Faith is in the journey. I've got 10 minutes, we can do it. Faith is not an experience, it's a journey. And like most people, I've had holy moments. I've had moments where I've walked into, a, I've glided into a meeting. Shaka-kaka, you know what I mean? I've had moments where I've glided into a meeting and I've prophesied over so-and-so and I've words of knowledge over here and prayed for healing here and all this. I said, I've had some great moments like that, but I've also had some valleys. I've also had some valleys where I've gone through and it's been horrible and it's been hard and it's been so-and-so. But the point is, I never stayed on the mountain and I never stayed on the valley. I actually journeyed through them. Are you with me? That's the point. You've got to journey through these things. And the, the road, the, the journey with God, there's some ups and there's some downs and there's some twists and there's some bumps and you get what I'm saying? There's some joys, there's some heartaches, there's victories, there's failures, there's a whole lot. But the point is this. If you will grab God's hand along the journey, He will teach you something. If you will grab God's hand along the journey, God will teach you something. God will teach you something. Some important lessons I've learned on the mountain and some important lessons I could only learn in the valley. So you can't escape the valley and you can't escape the mountain because they're all part of your journey. But if you would hold God's hand through them both, there are lessons that he's got to teach us. Now, everyone, who's got an iPhone? Who's got an iPhone? How often do you have to upgrade that iPhone? Seriously? Upgrade. You know, and the reason you have to upgrade a phone is because the current model has glitches in it. It has, it has bugs in its programming. You know what I mean? What about cars when they manufacture cars and they do a recall? because there's, 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 like, there's a glitch in the computer or whatever. Sometimes God does that with us. Sometimes along the journey, God will just pull us back a little bit because there's bugs in our program that he's got to fix. Sometimes he'll withhold you from moving any further because there's a lesson that he wants you to learn. 
there's this little glitch that you've got and it's messing up your programming. It's, it's messing it all up. And so the outcome, your production is not working because you've got these little bugs. You've got these little glitches in your journey. And sometimes God will pull you back. Sometimes he'll even take you low. And it's not a bad thing. It's just God fixing up. You know what I mean? Sometimes it can be embarrassing when God pulls you back, but it's okay. It's all right. Who's ever been through? I've been through one of those. Who's ever been pulled? No, no, yeah, yeah, come back here, sunshine. But I'm, no, no, you're not. You come back here. He had to sort out a few glitches, a few bugs in my, he needed to give me an update. You know what I mean? I needed an update in my programming. It was old. It was old. It was bong. It was no good. And um, is this okay? So it's, like I said, there's not one of those big messages. I'm just going to share with you today, okay? I'm going to share with you this morning. But the, the, the bugs and the lessons and the pullbacks are not there to kill you. They're actually there so you can take the time to get them fixed up, get them sorted, so your programming changes, and then the second half of your life is better than your first. That's what God does. He does expect that when God goes, eh, just understand what it is. It's just God doing something. Hey, come over here, sunshine. We've got some things we've got to sort out. We've got some. On your journey, God will pull you back. On your journey, God will stop you and say, hey, whoa, whoa, that's far enough. Because your faith at this point in time is not good enough for where you're going. It's not mature enough for that thing over there that I'm about to take you to. So let me shift a few things. Let me adjust a few things and we'll make it happen. So uh, where I was. And an example of that, I guess, is, is Saul. We understand Saul. Sorry, I'm speaking fast, but I'm going to. Saul was, um, we understand Saul. He was a zealot. He was a, he was this, you know, he was a, he lived for God. We know Saul, yeah, he was persecuted. The, who are these crazy guys worshiping Jesus? Here's this, here's this zealot after God. He, 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 <laughs> he's a zealot after God. He, he, he gave all of his life to following God. But on his journey, on the road to Damascus, he gets a visitation from God. He gets a visitation. And uh, Jesus you know, tells him to go, go to the, the street called Straight, he says. And a man named Ananias comes along. And as, as we, we know the story, he gets this encounter with God. There's some scales on his eyes. And what happens is he gets an update. See, his faith was one way, but it wasn't right. You get what I'm saying? It wasn't right. He was this Jew, but God had done something new. He had brought a new person. He brought the new Jesus come along, the new Adam. He come along like this, and he says, I need to do an update on you, Paul. For what you have right there is good, but it's not, it's not current anymore. I need to give you an update. So he does that, and what happens is the scales, as we know, fall from Paul's eyes. And he um, comes into a relationship now where before he only heard about God, right? Because he was just, they didn't, they were religious. He had only heard about God, but now he was able to see Jesus for who he really was, right? And he's able to see Jesus for who he really was. Now, if you wouldn't mind turning your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. I'm gonna carry on. Here's another example. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes along from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. So he rose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning home and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah, the prophet, then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. He's pretty quick, yeah? Pretty fast. Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him 
and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its sharer, he was silent. So he opened not his mouth. In humiliation, his justice was taken away and who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and says, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say of this? Of himself or of another man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the scripture, preaching Jesus to him. So here we have this man. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship. But I, I, I sort of thought about that. What's an Ethiopian doing in Jerusalem? Think about that. What's an Ethiopian doing in Jerusalem? Then I had a bit of a read about um, where he was from. And, and, and it seems that he was from, he was a, he was a guy from his, you know, he's a treasurer of a, of a lady named Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, right? This big black queen, you know. She was so, but Candace, Candace is actually wasn't her name, it was actually a title because there's a dynasty of Candaces in, in history where there are all these um, African queens who were warriors, they were strong, they had authority, they were like very, very big at their time. Ethiopia, like on the other side of the planet. And so, and so what happens, they were so strong that when, uh, what was his name? Alex, is it Alex? Who? Alexander the Great, Yes. When he comes, you know, as he's conquering the planet, he comes up to her territory one time, one of the queens. He comes up to her territory to try and conquer it. And Candace rides out on her elephant with all of her soldiers and say, excuse me, big fella, this is my turf. You ain't coming here. Woman of authority, woman of power. So she comes out and history says that Alexander the Great turned around and went back. Isn't that amazing? And so this eunuch is her treasurer. This eunuch is very close because they're, they're warrior women, so they have eunuchs to sort of run business with them so they don't get a little bit testy. Oh. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. So they don't get a little, you know. So they have, this, so they have eunuchs, but still doesn't explain why the eunuch is in a Jerusalem. What's he doing there? And then I found out that Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, is actually a descendant of the queen of Sheba. Remember in the Old Testament when the queen of Sheba goes over to King Solomon? Remember that? And she tries to check him out. So who are you, man? You're supposed to be this wisest guy on the planet. So the queen of Sheba goes over to King Solomon. She says, hey, you know, where do you go? And she asks him all these questions and, and he answers so well, in fact, that the Bible says that she had no breath left in her. After, all, after he answered all of her questions. Oh, this is amazing. So much so that the Queen of Sheba went back to Ethiopia, threw down all of the idols, all of the gods, and made them Jews. Isn't that amazing? And they've just found now that there's African Jews practicing Judaism from, from way back in the time they had no, and then they realized they're all descendants of Sheba. So this eunuch is a descendant of Sheba, right? And he's coming and he's coming to, He's coming to Jerusalem to worship, to pay his respects, to do things that he's been taught to do all of his life. And he comes here on behalf of Ethiopia. You know, he's the second highest man, whatever. He's promised, whatever. Treasurer. I was supposed to be reading my notes. He comes there and he worships. He worships. He has his experience at, at, at the temple. He worships at the temple. And on his way home, God speaks. 
Now get this, on his way home, God speaks. And he gets, he gets this guy named Philip to run alongside him, say, excuse me, buddy, I know that you're a Christian. I know that you're going, to, you know, you've got some history and that kind of stuff, but he says, you need an upgrade. You need an upgrade in your theology, right? So he jumps in there, right? Jumps in the thing and, and, and gives us his new upgrade. You get what I'm talking about? He gives this guy a new upgrade because he's Old Testament. He's, he's King Solomon Jew. He's, you know, old school, but he says, no, 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 no. There's a new guy. His name's Jesus. So he comes along and he gives this guy an update. My point in telling you this is this. There's gonna come a time in your life when you're gonna get to a point where you're stuck, where you're gonna get to a point where you don't understand what's going on. You're gonna get to a point where you're you're just like, I don't understand this, I don't understand where I'm at, I don't understand what this means, and God's gonna send somebody to run alongside you to help you and give you an upgrade. The point is this though. Oh, no, I won't go there, I won't go there. Back it up, back it up. Beep, beep. So so what happens is as he, as he comes to church and on his way back, on his way home, he gets this experience. He has this, he has this incredible, notice that the experience, the revelation, the wonder didn't happen at church. It happened on the journey. The, the big stuff didn't happen at church. It happened on the journey. I'm going somewhere with this. He had an experience at church, but the real breakthrough happens on the journey. It's what happens out there that makes you a believer. You can come in church and be on Christianese and that kind of stuff, but until we start affecting people out there on their journey, we're not believers. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Two claps, two claps. <sighs> if your faith doesn't make it outside the church, it ain't no faith. Faith is action. It's not words. Faith causes you to do something. That's faith. <laughs> Your faith is not outside me anyway. Okay. You see, what we have, we have this generation, I'm going to try and wrap up as fast as I can, is we have this generation, we have this Western culture that says, don't show anybody that you've got a weakness. Don't show anyone that you need help. Right? Would you agree? I don't know how many times I have seen an altar call happen where I know half the church would be down there and two people come down. And I say to the person, you wanna go down? Oh, no, no, I'm fine, thank you, no, no. <laughs> I'm fine. They get all pious and get all funny like they're perfect. What's with that? You know what I'm talking about? How are you going? I'm good, I'm good, yeah, yeah, no, I've got it all together, snap, snap. No, you don't. What's with that? I don't know where that's coming from. <sighs> it's a phenomenal thing where Christians have all of a sudden hidden the fact that they've got weaknesses. There's going to come a time in every one of our lives when we get stuck. There's going to come a time in every single one of our lives when we need help. And God will send someone to run alongside you to help you get an upgrade. The point is, would you let them into your chariot? Will you open the door and let them into your chariot? Or are you too proud? Oh, this is my point. I'm glad it's gone quiet. Are you too proud? Have we become a church of prideful people who will not admit that they have, that they're stuck? They would not admit that they need help. They'd not admit that they actually 
No, I haven't got it all together. Somehow the Western culture has gone to us where we think the church, we think that we've got to have it all together. What a load of rubbish. What a load of rubbish. And what it's done, it's, it's turned the altar to this place where nobody goes instead of the place we should all be running to. The altar of God, should be, we should be, this should be full. Because who, who, who of you are perfect, honestly? None of us. That's the right answer. None of us. So people would rather sit in their chariot by themselves and work it out all themselves than admit that they haven't got it right. Than admit that I need some help. And God has sent people in your past to run alongside you and say, hey, gone. You need an update. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. But I love this eunuch's response. How can I understand unless someone show me? You know what I mean? How can I understand unless, brother, I'm going through something. I need a bit of help. Brother, there's something that I'm going through that I need your help with. Why don't you get in my carriage and let's go for a ride together? We don't do that anymore for the church. That's, that's the honest truth. We hide. We hide our weaknesses. Would you agree? I'm telling you. God this morning wants to get rid of that altogether. This whole prideful living, I've got to, yep, 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 yep. He wants to get rid of that. Because I'm telling you, in your humility, that's where the faith is. That's where the power is. That's where the revelation is. God, I don't have someone. I've sent a Philip. I've sent a Jeff McManus. He's in that connect group thing. You've got to get on there. You get what I'm saying? Whoever your connect group is, I've sent them to you. And I've sent them to you so they come alongside you and give you an upgrade in your thinking because you've gotten too proud, you've gotten too prideful. And we've got this whole generation of Christians growing up where they won't admit that I need help, where they won't say, I don't have it all together. Instead, we come trying to pr pretend that we, we've got it all sorted. But that goes back way. God gave us the 10 commandments to show us that we couldn't do them, but we all try to do them. It's human nature, isn't it? You can't do this, you, this is to show you that you can't do the Well, I'll try. It's our nature. And until you can bring people to the place of your uncertainty, God can't help you. Until you can bring someone to your place, look, I'm, I've got some stuff. I've got a deal going on. I'm not, look, I've been going around for years and years and years with this deal. Until you can bring someone else to that place of uncertainty, You'll be stuck there for the rest of your life. And I believe God this morning wants to tell people, let it go. That's a very simple message. Some people have been stuck for a very long time in this place of uncertainty. I can't, I don't, I can't figure this out. I've been going around this mountain so many times. I can't, maybe you need to open your chariot and let somebody in. Maybe you just need to put the pride down and say, hey, I need some help. I need some help here. I don't have it all together. Would you, would you come to my chariot and, and, and help me with this thing? See, the whole purpose of connect groups is that. The whole purpose of connect groups is to get together where we work out our problems together. That's the whole purpose of connect groups, where we all grow together. God has sent Philips around. He's sent Ananias around. They're around you right now. Those connect group leaders who stood up earlier, that's who they are. He sent them to you to give you an upgrade in your thinking, to give you an upgrade because there's some glitches in your programming. 
And he wants to set people free, yeah? But again, I want to reiterate my point. Humility is the key. Humility is the, humility is the key to your faith. Because when you understand, when you agree, when you say, look, when you humble yourself and you admit that you don't have it all together, then and only then can you move to faith and say, but with God, all things are possible. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.